pause the Sasha video. Yeah, Sasha's done. She's out. She's out. We don't need her. I look better than her. I'm you do? I don't. No, I'm sorry. That was blasphemy. Welcome to the Queer Arabs Podcast. This is Alia. Hey, this is Nadia. And this is Adam. And we're all, we all co-host, we all co-hosted this podcast episode from the event, uh, the Labmash Halloween party. We really enjoyed it. And thank you to Omar for having us. It's an extremely meaningful organization. Um, I had an amazing time. I, it was so amazing to be in a room with so many inspiring, like, queer Arab people who were doing really exciting costumes we were there for halloween so yeah there was a costume party and i won a gift so i'm very happy about that yeah what was it (laughs) what was it it was like a beauty set with like a lip balm and like some shampoos which was hilarious it was shampoos they gave shampoos to the bald guy (laughs) yeah you'll need it eventually i mean yeah it'll grow back but yeah Oh, oh, please, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. I was like, you want lip balm? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. I mean, lip balm is lip balm very balm useful. Is useful. Honestly, okay, you feel free to take a look at the set in my, on my desk and see what you want. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it was an amazing event, and it was um, great to be there to support an amazing organization, hear more about it from people involved, and also just hear from the people who were at the party because there were a lot of really awesome people there and just a disclaimer there was an open bar so you'll hear progressively over the night we might sound less and less <laughs> articulate <laughs> we make less and but less sense. <laughs> the points that we brought up we feel are important yeah after a listen through we've decided that um the conversations and opinions we've expressed we still think they're important and good to talk about the particular words we used might have been a little more jumbled than you're used to sorry yeah, and our guests were really gracious with everything they said, and they brought like a lot of different perspectives that I thought were very productive to put in a space together. And somehow they understood our questions, so they couldn't have been that bad. Love <laughs> <laughs> that. All right, enjoy. Okay, I'm Suha Balut. I am the current president of LabMash, and I've been with LabMash for around four years now. So LabMash is an NGO based in Lebanon that was uh, started in 2012 by a group of healthcare professionals who aim to achieve health equity. And our mission is to achieve health equity and we promote the health in general and sexual health particularly for marginalized groups and we focus our work on LGBT health in Lebanon. Our work focuses on research, education, and policy activism within the country. And our work also has been replicated in the Middle East, so what we do also um, benefits the region. Um, In the U.S., we have some of our board members who live in the U.S., and some of our founding board members are now in the U.S., and it helps us bridge that knowledge from what already has been happening in the U.S. to bring to Lebanon and also like helps us uh, keep people going and telling them that it's a long road to achieve the things we want to achieve but it it can be done. Um, Can you talk about some of the efforts that LabMesh has been making? Like we read about Break the Silence for example, things like that. 
So we focus on research, education, and policy, as I said. And when, when we do research, we, we do research and we want to encourage new students to also want to do LGBT health research. So Break the Silence is one of our programs where we encourage students in any health-related field to conduct research related to sexual health or LGBT health, and they submit an essay about their work, and then there is a committee uh, at LabMash that reviews those uh, applications, and then the winner ends up getting uh, support to go to attend the Lesbian and Medical Association conference in the U.S. so that they learn more and they can come back and they help create more awareness in the country and that encourages them to co continue with that work. I also saw that you have like a list of like LGBT friendly doctors for various types of services which I know like even here sometimes when you're going to a doctor for a particular kind of service like you don't always know whether they're going to be totally informed about what they need to be knowing to deal with queer patients and also direct antagonism is also a thing to be worried about that so um, that's really awesome. Can you talk about like how you screen or educate health professionals for that kind of listing? So we do all of it. So access to affirmative health care is a big issue, and that is something that we know from the U.S., but that is also something that we got to learn in Lebanon from our study. We conducted a study to look at access to health care, and that was an issue. So based on a scientific method, we have a detailed survey that we conduct to healthcare professionals um, from different specialties, and based on the survey results, um, we put them on our directory. Those who do not qualify but want to be on the directory, we expose them to knowledge about LGBT health and how they could be affirmative, and then after that, once they are ready, they get to be on that list. And the purpose of that list is to be able to discreetly, without having to have someone ask many people and go through bad experiences, to be able to find the right specialty or the right provider that they will need to deal with whatever they want to go see a provider for. That's awesome. Uh, what would you say like your reception has been within the medical fields in Lebanon? Well, it has been good at some points and it has been a challenge at other points and, you know, it's so not something that we could change overnight. LGBT health has not been institutionalized for you know, a lot of the practicing healthcare professionals and the fact that they don't know what to do is an issue for them and they don't want to hear it, especially the very senior a lot of times. And for those reasons, you know, we keep trying, we keep trying to create awareness and um, things are changing slowly, not the pace we want, but we'll get there. My name is Omar Fatal. I'm one of the founders of LabMash, and I'm also and current board members. I'm also one of the founders of Friends of LabMash, which is a 501c3 organization here in the United States. And the primary focus of Friends of LabMash is to support the work and the mission of LabMash. Yeah, okay, so sense. we're about to do some bilingual stuff. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Deal with it, bitches. We're very excited about what's happening in Lebanon as a kid, and I'm like,
صعبة كثير، بقى اللي عم يصير بلبنان هلا هو شيء كثير مهم وهو شيء التيمتلي بيتلاقى مع المشن تبع لبنان عشان نحن المشن تبعونا انه نقدر كل الاشخاص بالمجتمع بصرف النظر عن هويتهم الجنسيه او توجههم الجندري او حيلا اتريبيوت ثاني لهم يقدروا يكون عندهم صحه كامله ويقدروا يكونوا عايشين حياه طبيعيه وحياه وفي رايك في في رايك المظاهرات اللي بتحصل في لبنان دلوقتي هل هي يعني متركزه على ال جي بي تي ايشوز ولا اشياء ثانيه؟ اور دو يو ثينك ان اي ريفورم ممكن يحصل هيكون بس على ال جي بي تي ايشوز ولا على ال larger scale. Yeah, so it's hard to tell at this point and it's not clear exactly what's going on, but we feel that ultimately all these issues are connected because the fundamental concepts are the same, right? We're talking about having a modern state. We're having we're talking about having a state that separates religion from we're talking about having a state that respects people people's dignity. So all these concepts apply whether you apply them to women, whether you apply them to LGBT people, whether you apply them to any minority, it's the same idea. And the people who are driving this revolution right now in Lebanon are people who share our vision of a Lebanon that is modern, that is separating religion from um, state and a Lebanon that's hopefully not corrupt and that takes care of its climate, of its environment, of its, you know, supplies people with their basic needs. And that's something, whether you're LGBT or whether you're a non-LGBT person, you're going to be equally benefiting from it. Yeah, so both in the context of LabMash um, and in the context of the protests and revolution, what do you feel, like this is an organization that's based in Lebanon but clearly has like a diaspora outreach program and feels that that's important. And similarly, what do you feel like the role of the diaspora is um, in the revolutions going on right now? Yeah, I mean that's a tricky question because it's we're connected. You know, when you're when you're part of the diaspora, especially if you're not born in the in, in the U.S., if you're an immigrant like myself, you never lose your Lebanese identity. So you end up having two different identities, and it's very hard to identify with only one aspect of who you are. So I feel like. The people in the diaspora have a lot to offer to Lebanon and specific to the revolution. One is to give a different perspective. So when we went to the demonstrations here in New York, a lot of people were saying, we want this government to resign so we can go back to Lebanon. So this is a different perspective from the people in Beirut right now. The people in Beirut are saying, we want to stay in Lebanon, we want a better future. People who are here are asking for something slightly different, which is, look, we want to be with our family. So this is one example which is give a different perspective of how this corrupt system has resulted in brain drain so you see a lot of talented and smart Lebanese people who are living outside Lebanon because of the current situation so that's one so the voice of the diaspora is important because it plays into what's going on but the other thing is what Soha was talking about earlier is that by being here you have different kind of connections and you have different kind of knowledge so I think and I, I don't know if that, that's just on my own theory, is that a lot of the buzz that was created in, you know, because it took like the Western media like four days to catch up with what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, right? Yeah. yeah. And even still, it's not very even still, good. It's not very accurate. Yeah, yeah, because... I, I, most of my friends, when I tell them about uh, things happening in Lebanon, they're like, oh, Lebanon is having a protest right now, and I'm like, how do you not know this? Because in my Facebook profile, everybody's posting. But, yeah. yeah. but it shows like how like, tuned in we are to. Yeah. yeah, but like in a typical like U.S. centric American like Facebook timeline, nothing is showing up, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Right, but I think we have a role, and I think people played that role by like demonstrating in front of CNN a few days ago, and by yes. using you know private connections to just get that word out there. And then, mm-hmm. you know, let's face it, what you know, the Western media is. You know, very influential. You have more 
people, yeah. you know, readers and followers. So when you have something that, like, if CNN talks about something, it's different from, like, say, when Al Jazeera talks about it. So that's another role that the diaspora can play, which is amplify yeah. the voice of people who are in Lebanon. And uh, yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's actually why people who are in the diaspora are more at risk of saying the same things. And so, somebody saying the same statement here in a protest here in a lot of ways is more likely to, to encounter trouble than somebody who is back home because somebody's voice here is amplified in that way. So it's it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. yeah. But also it depends because sometimes like distance is safety. It's like, you know. Well, yes, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about like individual people's safety, but in terms of like the kind of danger that they couldn't, the kind of danger that they are putting on the state because yeah. in a lot of ways like, like power? A hundred, yeah. yeah, precisely. So a hundred people protest in New York could yeah. attract as much international attention as like a 10,000 people protest in yeah. right. somewhere yeah. in the global south. Actually, like, Adam, like what par parallels are you seeing between this and what happened in Egypt? Well, I mean, precisely, like there were protests in Egypt um, in about a month ago, like around the 20th of September. And at the time, there were tens of thousands of people in Egypt and it took like almost a week for people to start, for the New York Times or any international organization to start addressing it. Whereas like in New York, there was a protest of a hundred Egyptian diaspora members and oh, like wow. that was covered yeah. by like 12 different organizations, yeah. which is problematic because you would, right. you would like, it's obviously, it's almost like these voices are the given more relevance and respect the than people at home. Sense, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, that's what it is the good to know is. that so you have you that power while you're here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And I just want to say something about that. Like, that, and that's something that I, and this could be, you know, people could argue against that, but I feel like nothing is, like, we don't, no one lives in a bubble. So everyone is support, someone, everyone's supporting mm -hmm. someone. So this whole notion that somehow if you're advocating for a certain agenda, that you somehow are not allowed to get fund, even funding, that you're not allowed to get funding from certain sources or you're not allowed to communicate that's yeah. like I think that's crazy because the others are getting funding from places that are advances advancing very bad agendas for human rights and very bad agendas for right yeah. Yeah. right but then somehow like oh no you can't demonstrate in New York or you can't send money to Lebanon or you can't have a fundraiser here and but but then somehow the other yeah. people are doing exactly that with right. So you I feel like just we, label it like oh you're selling out. And it's this yeah, yeah, problematic no. thing where yeah. like I I talk to like family members when I was protesting against the Egyptian government here, and somebody told me like if you have a problem with the Egyptian government you have to come to Egypt and protest but you cannot do it in New York because you're giving a bad image to the country and I'm like no I'm giving a bad image to the current government, not yeah. to like the state of the nation. Like right, that's right, not how yeah. democracy functions. Like a country is more than the people who are in charge it's more of it. Than, yeah. like, the twelve people who are controlling all the money and power, yeah. like yeah. twelve assholes. But yes, right, yeah. Right, yeah. So can you talk about this event? Like what? Yeah. What, what's important? Yeah, yeah. So this event. So this is our seventh Halloween party, and this started seven years ago. And that's the idea that you know we were talking about, which is that, and this is what was the reason to have Friends of Labmash, which is an entity that's 501c3 charity organization to raise funds here in the US so we can send money back to Lebanon to support Labmash because it's very hard to fundraise in Lebanon yeah. and it's easier to fundraise here, especially if you have a 501c3 status. So this is a Halloween party, awesome. but money is not the only reason why we're here. We also you know, use this as an opportunity to 
uh, tell people about LabMash and yeah. to have other you know people from the community come and network with each other and connect. And we do it once a year. We're hoping to do it more often so we can bring everyone together. But awesome. those are the two main reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for doing, doing this. I know it takes a lot of Thanks for talking to us in yeah, this bathroom. <laughs> Wait, can I take like five steps back and ask another question? Yes. So we were trying to do this bilingually. I guess this hasn't happened. Um, <laughs> but questions, I can translate. Oh, I mean, finish it, but like, but um, yeah. What like considerations do you take to what languages you're publishing? Like, I know like with a lot of activism going on now, there's been a lot of effort to make a lot of the revolution documents in Arabic exclusively. Um, with clear political motivations, but I also wonder like how much that's letting like US media and Western media also get away with not knowing what's going on. Um, yeah, yeah. I, that's not really a question, but what are the considerations you give to what languages you're Yeah, no, really definitely. I mean, we think about this all yeah. the time. We have these yeah. discussions all the time. And yeah. in Lebanon specifically, we use the three languages, Arabic, English, and French. Okay. In all and the every and everything we do like in schools and banks in the bank system in hospitals when we work and so at Lebmash we try to stay true to the Lebanese culture and we have try as much as possible to provide everything in English Arabic and French whenever awesome. we can yeah. thank you. okay thank you guys thank you thank you so, for having us this is great. Yeah. amazing hi uh, my name is Angela or Angie um, I'm Lebanese American and a New Yorker awesome and what brought you to this event? Like, why, why were you drawn to it? Um, I first learned about it maybe like three, four years ago. And I really wanted to come. And so I dressed up as myself in 30 years, AKA Crazy Cat Lady. Um, <laughs> and I was like super excited. And then I came and I was like, wait, like, there's nothing set up. I was like, oh, you know what? It's a Lebanese thing. Maybe they're just like late. I went the day after. Like, I, <laughs> I literally went the day after. And I was like, no! Because, like, initially I was drawn, because um, I've always, like, even before I knew that I was bi, like, I cared about, like, queer rights. And I don't know if maybe that was because subconscious I was like, oh, you're part of your, you're the B. Like, but um, I was I always, like, cared. So I, I really, like, respected that, um, like, the proceeds would go towards helping people that, you know, overseas. Like, not that the States is, like, the best ever, but it's even stricter, I feel. Anyway. Um, but yeah, and then so just being able to be around people that are like me, like weird, fun. I love the dance, love the music, and like dressing up. All right, thank you very much. So I'm Egyptian. I'm from Egypt. I'm, I support the LGBT community 100%. You have to understand in Egypt or all, uh, a lot of Middle Eastern country, this is something that is being subject to religion and politics, which should not be involved in both of them. Okay. Okay. One of my friends brought me here and the only reason I came here was the support of, of uh, educating the Middle East about the it was a, he, he explained to me that this is uh, it's, this is the medical uh, it has to do with the teaching them the people in the Middle East about the sexual transmitted diseases or the medical suspect of the medical side of of the LGBT community. It's very sad that our, our government does not support this. Okay, in our religion, in, in not our religion, in the Islamic religion, which is most people from there are from there, or Christians, they're mostly from, uh, they're Muslims or Christians. 
is something that you believe in inside your heart. It has nothing to do with the government control. The government only control it because of the culture over there. Uh, HIV patients are treated really poorly in these countries. Even if they not, if that disease was transmitted through something else other than being gay or lesbian or whatever, just being, just having HIV overseas is difficult. You can get fired from your job. You cannot get the right medical uh, treatment. You can be discriminated. You cannot get a job. I came to this uh, community because I heard it's not only for Lebanese. This is to okay. Maybe it starts in Lebanon. But this is something that should spread to the Middle East where you can educate. Education is the biggest thing that they need. You need to educate the LGBT community in the Middle East about sexual transmitted diseases. This is number one that you need to do because most people over there, they do, they do not have an idea. They give them like, I'm sorry to say this, they give them this illusion about LGBT. Just being gay can give you HIV or um, they don't even teach them about how can HIV or any sexual transmitted disease can be transferred. They don't have any idea. And these people are struggling to find this by themselves. You have to give it a different name. You can say just sexual transmitted disease. You have to understand, even with breast, I, I worked with breast cancer. I worked in cancer in the Middle East. I did research. And even over there, this is like a stigma. Like for them, cancer is something like Forbidden. Right. The same. Like even in Egypt, if you if you say the word cancer, you don't say the word cancer. Yes. You say Yeah, the bad disease. It's like you're not supposed to say so the word cancer. What, what they did is oh. sounds like you know who, <laughs> like Voldemort yeah. type Voldemort, of shit. Yeah. So what you have to do is you have to mention it. Uh, for the person to go speak over there, they have to understand the culture. They have to know the right word to say. You have to say the right word. You have to say this is a seminar to educate you about marriage disease or what can you have in marriage because a lot of people don't understand that they can marry someone and if this person had a different experience they don't understand that they can this person can transmit disease to them even it's not only for the lgbt community for the street community this is something they don't understand you see the movie with in sabri uh, uh what's, what is it there about? was a movie about hiv Yes, yes. Called yeah. Amina or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Hint Sabri, yeah. which was her husband went to jail. Her husband like was bisexual and No no, her husband went to jail and he had sex in jail. He was he was essentially forced. raped in jail. And yeah. he had HIV and she had to suffer And then she he came out of jail and he essentially like had sex with her non consensually. And she and then she procured HIV. And it's a story about how she went to all of these medical institutions and all of them like deemed her as like a sex worker or an inappropriate woman just because she has HIV. And that's actually the reality in Egypt, which is to say that like HIV is automatically associated with being like very sexually promiscuous or gay. And it's this very problematic like stereotype that has existed. And I, I know a friend who was HIV positive who was a, actually a doctor in Egypt. And because he was HIV positive, he knew that he had to go get his medicines online, like from the dark web or whatever, because he knew that if he actually went and told the government that he was HIV and needed medication, he would immediately be fired from his job. Because you're not allowed to be a doctor if you're HIV positive in Egypt. Some people, some of them, honestly, I spoke to a lot of kids over there, but a lot of the girls, sometimes they think if they sit next to a guy, they can't, 
they can get pregnant or they can transfer a sexual disease. So if they start seminars in the colleges to just educate them about, you can just say diseases that can transfer through friends or family or close people, tra diseases that can trans transfer through close people. The culture in the United States, no matter how we think you're open you are and how culture you are, it's different than the Middle East. In the Middle East, you go to a space where it's different culture and being open and free is different than in the United States. Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, they all, these three religions play the same rule over there. They all discriminate against the LGBT community. Okay, you have to understand, the law over there, when it comes to family matter, it separates between Christian, Muslim, and, and Jewish. But they're all against the LGBT community. They think it's against the religion. But if someone, so you have to reach that community in a different way. You, okay, first of all, you have to understand that the government rule and the military rule, so you have to put that in aspect too. So what you have to do, you have to reach it with words, that would reach the whole community instead of just a small part of the community. So you reach straight people, gay people, trans, everybody. Because everybody's not educated about sexual transmitted disease, they're not transmitted about, in general, in like cancer, and every disease over there, you have to understand, this is the third, third world country you're talking about. They're embarrassed to go to hospital or doctors because they are treated differently. I had a friend over there that, I mean, I'm sorry, her girlfriend, his girlfriend got pregnant, but because she was not married, she was treated differently in the hospital. Over there, because a girl stood up for herself and she said, you know what, I'm gonna be a single mom, I'm not gonna do abortion, I'm gonna have this baby, I'm gonna raise him by myself. It was a, like it was all over the news, oh, this girl is doing something crazy. I, I joined this community because I know they, they are trying to educate people. To have education not only for the LGBT community, for everybody in the Middle East about sexual transmitted diseases. It's very stigmatized. If a woman has sex... It's all like on her. It's on her and her family can dishonor her. But you understand, a guy can have sex with so many people. A woman can be married to a guy and she knows he had sex with other women and she will still stay with him. But she doesn't understand the risk that she's having by him having with sex with another woman that she doesn't know any... She, she can have all these diseases that she has no idea that she has because her husband is missing her. I spoke to people that are... It's, their family can abandon them. Sure. They can have very difficult times and this causes not only a problem to them, it also causes a problem to the whole community. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, I can help. I am a You're bill. amazing for you actually speaking here. Mm -hmm. You're in really inspired. really appreciate it. No, thank yeah. you so much. No, no, no. I'm speaking for for people that are suffering. Yeah. I, sw I swear, like, these people you are... You said you're a doctor. You were a doctor in Egypt. No, I, I'm an engineer. I was, I was an engineer. I was an engineer in Egypt. I was an engineer here. I did research. I worked in... Uh, so many cases, but it's just, oh, wow. when I went there and I saw the LGBTQ plus community over there, it's just sad in me. I went to Egypt, I went to Morocco, I went to Jordan, I went to Saudi Arabia, and when I saw the LGBT community over there, and I, when I spoke to people over there and I, I heard their um, interpretation about STDs or sexual transgender disease, I was so surprised yeah. that these people have no idea.
how it actually works. They don't know how it works at all. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, like... Yeah, that's dangerous. Like, we're really blessed to live in this country for yeah. because just the culture and the education that we get just by living here yeah. is absolutely different than what they get over there. Yeah. Yeah, it's really mm -hmm. like... You're so inspiring. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. No, thank you, guys. I think you guys are doing an amazing thing for actually bringing this out to the community and fighting it. Here and here's a clip from the party upstairs when there was a dedication to the revolution of Lebanon. And it's just like really exciting. Like I, we've only met a couple of times before, and it's so lovely to like actually see him in awesome. public events. How did you hear about Love Mash? Um, so my boyfriend is Lebanese and cares deeply about Love Mash. So we've this is our second year actually at Love is Mash. Is he here? Helene, he is. Yeah. Does he want to come he's on? The does he want to come on? Oh, he does. Oh, he would, He's like a star. He'll awesome. Okay. His boyfriend is gorgeous. Hook us up. He's a little bit like. Like he looks like a phoenix right now. He's glowing because he has he lights all over it. He's just nice. like. Oh, okay, yeah. Anyway. yeah that guy. You know the guy. Wow, you know the guy. That guy is noticeable. He has like the. Can yeah. you describe your outfit right now? Um, you know, it's sort of like sex god chic with like some lights on the floor, oh, no. which like show up better oh, in the dark. Oh, I didn't see the lights. In the dark, it's like it's like halo on the floor. That's the goal. That's awesome. Can I ask you what inspired you to come here? Boyfriend. <laughs> Obviously, the starting point was the boyfriends. We both have thought about uh, Beirut as a home and Lebanon as a home, and uh, I think Lebanon is doing some incredibly important work toward making it a place that um, we can all feel comfortable and um, that sort of like I don't know, like is is sort of a, a what's the word 
just like a welcoming place. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I'm, I'm would love to contribute to that and also it's a crazy fun party like I came last year and it's just like a fun fun place to be. Have you spent a lot of time in Beirut? I actually haven't so yeah. one of my biggest regrets in undergrad it was like the place to go for like vacationing and no, I went to spring break there like everyone ah, this, everyone and I had a plan like a trip planned and then it fell through and I really regretted it and then when I met Paolo his some like family issues and so it took us like about three years to get there so I finally went in May for the first time for two weeks and fell in love like the energy of the city is just this like crazy awesome place and like you look anywhere and you can see the entire city and it's all like sort of embracing so where are you originally from i'm originally from st louis missouri so kind of the middle of nowhere but it's a real place okay there's someone knocking we're gonna chill for a sec but do they need to use the restroom? Because no, but we're like mid-interview, that's more important than people. <laughs> oh okay. Look at those assholes! So are you having a good time? I am having a wonderful time. There's this like sense of inclusiveness at the same time that you're celebrating a culture right. deeply. Like there's no, like you listen to the music and it's just like, it's Arabic music. There is no yeah. like pop music jumping in and still you feel like anyone is welcome and anyone yeah. can just jump in and dance and... I feel that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for being part of this. Thank you for inviting me to your shower. <laughs> we are in the shower room. The acoustics. That's We're in. So again, we're in this shower room. That's very good acoustics, and it's quiet, and there's no music. Yalla. Wait, does your boyfriend want to come be an interview? I promise you, he will. Hi, I'm Paolo. This is your second time being at Lab Match. It is. Yeah. What's the difference between the two? Um, last year was a little bit like smaller, kind of tighter, but um, I really liked it tonight. It's like a cool venue. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely grown. I've only been here two years, so I, I don't have the full history, but it feels like every year is bigger. Yeah, um, and what drew you to it? Definitely the cause at first. Um, I met Omar uh, through NYU because he's a awesome. physician there. And then he invited me the first time, and ever since I'm kind of like, I go to every single event I can because I fucking love it. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I think it's like advancing the health of a like underserved population, um, both in Lebanon and trying to ex like export that expertise to the Middle East. And um, nobody else is really doing that. Um, yeah. There are specific um, other organizations that work on like sexual health, but mm -hmm. I think from the perspective of advancing it within the medical field, yeah. uh, I think LabMash is unique in that yeah. point. Yeah. Awesome. Well. Do you want to talk at all about yourself and what you do? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm still in training at NYU. It's my second year in internal medicine. Interested in infectious disease, which I guess like lends itself a lot to LGBTQ health. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to get some work in Lebanon. It's like hard to find uh, clinics that do that. I feel like a lot of the LGBTQ like healthcare is underground. So I'm trying to get some. Like to get like connected. Ahmed is helping me. They yeah. do. They're trying to sponsor. Lebmesh sponsor physicians to do that specifically. Awesome. Go get training in Lebanon and do that. And so I hopefully oh, will be able cool. to yeah be part of a fellowship. That's awesome. I didn't yeah. know about that. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's like brand new. new. They're like launching it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I think it's really important to have people like within the medical establishment, especially like. I think especially with like Lebanese people and Lebanese people in America, there's so much of like a med student export. It's like almost a stereotype and there's like such 
a resource here and also like here there's like more freedom to like pursue medical research about sexual health and LGBT health and STDs um, that could be funneled back there and I feel like they're doing that work so that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. totally. Sometimes it feels like, you know, here like we are, to, we can do that but it almost feels like, not. I don't want to say a waste but it feels like there's way more resources here yeah. than and we have the talent and the like education to be able to like give it back to Lebanon and Lebanon is giving us that avenue. All right. Do you want to describe your costume? Because it's really oh, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we were starting, I think it's a golden phoenix. I think so. That's what I'm going to go with. I think with. it is too. Yeah. yeah, it was very much uh, kind of like last minute oh, putting together. There are goddess. Goddess. I'll take that. I'll take goddess. Yeah. Yeah. It's a phoenix goddess. Yeah. Yeah. With, like, it's, yeah, with like a gay goddess. dose of glitter, you yeah. know. Like, and and lights. And light, lights. yeah. Yeah, it's like the extra part. Do you feel like what are the biggest differences between the LGBT community in Lebanon and in the US, Lebanese American community or like Arab American community? That's a great question. I think that I'm only now starting to like get to know the Lebanese and like Middle Eastern queer community and it's mostly through uh, like yeah, the Yella parties, um, which are oh, the, oh, yeah, yes. as well as like through it's the Lebanash events. Uh, I think that there's a lot there's a like first of all an age diversity here you get to meet people who've moved to the u.s like decades ago and have you know kind of like moved back in like the day where like there wasn't any like queer uh, spaces in beirut and i think it's very interesting to have those like people like interact with people our age who did have that like those avenues in lebanon um it's I, yeah i think that's all i can say i don't i don't think i've learned enough yet to be able to make like a full comparison yeah yeah. yeah Some good, good insight though. Yeah. But Thank can you. I say something? Like, I think the LGBT community is different in each country. Like, even though Lebanon is an Arabic country, it's different than the LGBT community in Egypt or in Saudi Arabia or in Somalia or in Jordan, yeah. Tunisia. I went to um, Maghreb, is it, uh, Morocco. Mm -hmm. Absolutely different. Where Morocco, you have people that are more open. Where you go to Egypt, the people are not more open. People are going to jail because they raise the flag, like the rainbow flag. And where you have in Morocco, where people are more open about it. Like, so yeah. really, whatever community that's trying to help, they have to look at, at each country separately, mm -hmm. you know? And then you have to look at this angel standing over there. That's where we're going to flags. Makes sense. <laughs> sense. There's some overlap, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we can't lump everything together. Yeah, yeah, because a lot. Of, I have to say something. A lot of people think of the Middle East as one, one, one entity. Yeah. Yes, the Middle East is. Although they all speak it's Arabic, diverse, yeah. it's absolutely diverse. And uh, same with the, like the fucking US. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but even it's separate. Sure. It's different than United States. How the United States is diverse. Yeah, like Saudi Arabia, absolutely different than Egypt. That's so true. Where you have Lebanon, and then you have uh, Morocco. Like where Egypt was taken over by the English, and Morocco was taken over by the French. So you have different mentality in each 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 country. Different different mentality, different language, different. It's really different, but a lot of people think Middle East, you know, it's just like, yeah. uh, or Arabic, or uh, even Iran, some people, people people think Iran is part of this, which mm -hmm. is absolutely different culture and different, like, different language. Even. Yeah, so, so when it comes to these uh, organizations or these societies, they have to understand who they're speaking to, 
You have to understand their psychology, their environment, their culture, more than just like, Town. yeah. So, but yeah, okay. yeah. this is all. Do you want to answer the question you asked? I'm kind of interested in your thoughts on it. I can speak to that. I mean, obviously, as like an immigrant community, I feel like a lot of Arab Americans think about the idea of Arab Americans are predominantly very left-wing, which makes sense. That being said, there's um, this notion of like you can't criticize um, Middle East or like a foreign government because there's always like a there's almost a level of like people think of that as a form of appropriation. Sober Adam, when hearing this again, was like, I meant imperialism, not appropriation, FYI. And I've had an element, like, as somebody who grew up in the Middle East and who's only been here for a couple of years, I've struggled with that a lot because I feel like if there is any kind of influence that any, like, global power can have that could actually actively have an influence on the daily lives of, like, queer people elsewhere. I'm interested in that being utilized versus not because um, we can sit here and like theorize in academic halls about like what is appropriate and what is not and whether it's like talking about queerness in an Arab context is like an imposition or whatever but the reality is there are people actively being persecuted and incarcerated merely for their identities or their sexual practices and um, I've just struggled with like this notion of romanticization or nostalgia towards the like Middle East when like in reality the the actual experience of living there tends to be more nuanced and more troublesome than how people who grew up in the diaspora think of it to be. Again, like the US is not perfect, the Middle East is not perfect, everything is complicated because of course that's what you're going to say. But like there are a lot of things that U.S. the people who grew up in the quote-unquote Western world can do that they don't do because of like the different kinds the, of activism. the laws and or the freedom the different laws the like codes around what is appropriate and what Social, is not yeah, and like people can do things that they don't do and the reality is there are hundreds of people in the Middle East right now being actively persecuted for their sexual identities, their gender identities, their sexual orientations, and like, people can do things about that and they're not. Like, yeah. that's just the end of it. Like, I, I'm not gonna like sugarcoat that more than I need, but thank you. Wait, can I, can I, like, I, I agree and I wanna like comment on that from like diaspora kid perspective. Um, I think that's true and I think it's a lot because like, I think growing up in the US as an Arab, like anti-Arab racism is so like forefronted yeah, you feel like you have to combat by, that. Like, being so, like, being like, oh, but like, no, my culture is great. Um, it's like, it is in some ways, but like, it's but not also, in a lot like, of fucking no, ways. No, like, it, it's so, not like, in a lot of fucking ways, but um, I think it's like a, resi like a resistance to that anti-Arab racism to the point where like, I don't, given like, who I have historically been having as my audience, I don't feel comfortable talking about and like, Arab homophobia to like white American audiences because of the way they'll use that to support racism and not that they're going to go and like support LGBT rights in the Middle East but they're just going to be like ban the Arabs because they hate the gays you know yeah. <laughs> like like having that as a reaction it's um, this thing where like once something is on CNN it's going to be like, yeah. it's always going to be to like a reductive narrative that is a binary. Right, right, right. And I think, I think it, so much of it has to do with like 
knowing who your audience is and knowing who your context yeah. is. Because like, you know what, if I was invited to talk on CNN, I would talk about how everything in the Middle East is perfect. Yeah, like, yeah. If I'm in a space like this podcast where things can be more nuanced, I will. Yeah. Right, and I think like creating those spaces where we can be fucking honest and not be so worried about how like a white American mainstream audience is going to see it and actually be like, no, we have. Yeah. Issues. That's not this. That's um, not the audience we have in general. Have you had like, issues broadcasting this podcast to Arab um, audience? Like any any just area at the beginning. Just at the beginning, we were getting. Threatened. Well, what do you mean by issues? I guess have you been unable to broadcast this podcast to any no, specific because, area? No. Well, would you know if it's being censored? Maybe you don't know. Actually, we don't know. I mean, um, like I had friends listen to my podcast in e- to my episode in Egypt okay. and. And you guys told me that there were a couple of episodes in Egypt. I mean, I don't think there is censorship. That being said, like, I personally, as somebody who's been interviewed, I'm like, I wonder who the fuck is listening to this. Because it's like, I wonder that. Like, there's a sense of self censorship. I remember even when I was being interviewed, I was like, what can I say that will not get me arrested if somebody Mm. actually transcribed me? You said enough to get arrested. (laughs) I mean, I am totally getting arrested if I ever come back to Egypt. Wait, can I, sorry, are we staying to lock on this question? I want to, like, go back to what you said about, they're like, people could be saying shit about, you're saying people, 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 people can be doing shit about active persecution of queer people, and they're not, and sometimes as, like, a diaspora kid, like, who's involved in these spaces, I'm kind of like, what's my space, what should I be saying, what can I be doing that's productive? Do you have opinions I mean, on that? Like, yeah. on one end, if you, like, speak to your congressman and it's addressed in, like, in a space yeah. that is, like, global or the UN, that can be looked at as a form of, like, almost like US hegemony, which is a valid way to look at the world. But also, on the other end, these things have actively had an influence in the past. So, for example, in 2001, when, when like, the biggest arrest on queer youth happened in Egypt, there were 51 people that were incarcerated. And there were multiple human rights cases that were, I mean, reports that were released in the time that these people were still being, like, interrogated. And that actually led to everybody actually not being ultimately sentenced. Um, and so, like, on one end, you kind of make this theoretical argument about, like, if you're doing that, you're performing a kind of, like, cultural colonialism. Yes, that's true. Yeah. But also, if you're not doing that, you could be contributing to people actually going to jail. And if you are doing that, you could actually make sure yeah. that people don't go to jail. And so it's like... And I think another part of this is this, like... Like we, like, we, right, right. like we, we could say that, like we could talk about like whether the U.S. should have this global power. <laughs> Bless you, um, but like the, the fact is that it's it does, and it's not like U.S. power isn't being used to impose like shitty things abroad. Yeah, like it's being used for like shitty like human rights abuses. So we might as well. If it's he's into the people don't understand yeah. yeah. the rest of their lives in a yeah. jail cell. <laughs> like yeah. yes, I bet there's also a difference between like for like generations of diaspora, like a cultural difference. So there's probably an identity, like a difference in identity, and people like us who moved to the U.S. just like a couple years ago versus people who were born to Arab parents in the U.S. They, I don't know, the ability to connect or just feel that like the urge to contribute might also. It's funny. I've actually experienced that people who were. Arab American, but like first or second generation who were born and raised here are more sensitive to like invoking US power. Whereas I'm just like, you know what? I don't trust my government. Like, and if the US mm-hmm. power will actually 
have a positive inf influence on the communities that I actually care about, which are queer communities. Like, yeah, I think I think part of it is like people are like s cynical of the government they grew up around because they know like all the fucked up. Arab Americans are particularly sensitive to like they've grown up around like U.S. racism and surveillance policies and all that stuff, and then like obviously it's not like other governments are better. So. I mean, all governments are shitty. All governments suck. Equally shitty. Every other government, but like we won't go there. So, in conclusion, everything sucked. Did we finish your interview? I feel like we did. Do you want to say more things? Not really. I think that was pretty much it. Yeah, I was really excited to meet you guys because what you do is awesome. I really love it. Love your podcast. Thanks for being on it. Hello. Hi. We have an amazing subscriber to the podcast. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Hassan, longtime listener, first yes. time on the show. Yes. So excited. I love the spontaneity of this. So I do too. Is this your first love mesh? This is my first Party. love mesh. Yes, yes. I'm from San Francisco. Well, I'm from Lebanon, uh -huh. and I live in San Francisco, and I came up here for this. Awesome. And I'm really excited that I got to meet you guys. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. This was a good reason to come. Absolutely. What is the reason you were drawn to travel for Lemesh? Like, what, why is it so important? Well, I just, well, first of all, I listen to Queer Air podcasts, and I really think that the Lemesh and Helem, they are kind of like a beacon for an area not just Lebanon and I totally subscribed to that and I got my mom to buy a ticket to this event oh my God. even though she's in San Francisco but I was like I explained to her what this is about and she's like how much is how much is the ticket buy one and I was like $75 she's like I like your mom so much will That's she listen awesome. to this I'm gonna make her listen. Hassan's to this. mom, thank you. You're you're a great mom. You're really. <laughs> that's what a mom should be. She is awesome. She's really fun, and yeah, I think the message here is amazing. And I listen to your podcast, and I listen to that Iranian guy. Ali Reza, yes. right? Yeah, it's it's a good cause. It brings in people. It gives people hope in the whole region, and. I think we should step up and we should do more. We should do all we can. Yeah. And I really like, I want to put a plug in to another cause that I really like, which is the Rainbow Railroad. Yeah, in Canada, right? Yes, yeah. I love it. They kind of like take people out of countries that are despicable to LGBTQI people and they put them in places and they set them up with locals and they get them to you know, have beautiful new lives and whatnot. So those are my two favorite causes. So thanks for what you do. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Thanks so much. Thank you. Do you want to talk about yourself, like what you do in life? Oh, me, I, I live in San Francisco. I'm a computer engineer. I feel like it's like, wah, wah. Everybody is in San Francisco. Computers are the, are the thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the quote. We That's I'm just living life and I'm enjoying it. I'm hanging out with my friends from Lebanon, new friends. Yeah, hanging out in the US. 
And you found time. yourself in a shower stall. It's true, I'm in a shower That's stall a with three beautiful women. So... Yeah, I'm in a... Oh, and Nizar. Three women and Nizar. But where are you here? We're, we're doing a podcast. No, we're recording. I know, but go on. We will. Yeah. We have to do one thing at a time. All right. Um, okay. Okay, so Hassan and I connected a little bit later, and he sent in some really thoughtful elaborations on what he said during Lebmash. He he wanted to add some more sober thoughts, which I totally understand. He says, I love Helm and Lebmash. They are a bit of a beacon in the area for all LGBT folks who feel like no one is advocating for them or brave enough to speak on their behalf or address their concerns. The example of the Iranian artist moving to Lebanon is a, a bit of proof that we are doing something right. It's Iran's loss and Lebanon's gain to get a brilliant artist. And how he chose Lebanon is probably in huge part thanks to the changes in place, thanks to Helim and Lebmash and such. It makes me so proud to be Lebanese and that's why I was at the party. All right. Hello. Hi. Thanks for doing this. I'm so happy to be doing this. Um, you have an amazing blue wig on. I'm currently dressed like a blue mermaid, Lady Gaga, celestial yes. kind of creature. Yeah, I'm getting aquatic vibes, probably because okay. of your earrings. Probably. It was oh, a, put it's very mermaid yes. a last minute put together outfit. There are starfish earrings, by the way. Starfish. Yes. So why are you at Lebmash, the, the I party? I'm at Lebmash because I'm an ally of Lebmash. Awesome. I'm a friend of Lebmash, and I was introduced to it by my best friend, Pau. And it's just been the most, you know, um, amazing thing ever. And I love coming to these events and just being as supportive as I can and doing whatever part I can do in it. Thank you for being an ally. Very small part, but whatever part I can, it's, it's better than nothing. Yeah, anything. <laughs> we are indeed. We are. <laughs> this is where we always podcast, next to a bathroom. FYI, behind the scenes. But I always end up meeting the most amazing people at these events, and so I'm always so grateful. Like, every time I go home, I get all these amazing friend requests on Facebook, and I'm like, these are people that I'm never going to forget. And I and we meet each other at every event, and it's just, like, more beautiful every time. So, yeah, that's it. That's why I'm here. Awesome. <laughs> do you want to, if you want, do you want to talk about yourself or any work that you do? So, my name is Anna. Um, I currently live in New Haven. I'm a researcher at Yale. Um, I, other than that, I'm, I just come to New York every chance I get because this is where all the fun is. Um, it is. <laughs> it is. It That's is. why I fucking leave DC all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. This we is don't where, have this is where all the fun is. We don't have an equivalent. Yeah, and I just, I don't know, I enjoy the dancing, I enjoy oh, the Arab music, and, and this is what we're going to go do right now. We're going to go dance. We're being summoned. We're being summoned to dance. I hope you all enjoyed learning about Lab Mesh, hearing about the party. We had a lot of fun doing this. Please contact us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. You can also contact Ahmed, who does the Arabic side of the podcast, at thequeerarabsinarabic at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at thequeerarabs. And please rate and review us on iTunes. That helps the podcast show up for more people. Thank you, Omar, again so much for having us at this party. It was super meaningful to 
get to know the organization more, get to know people who were at the party, talk to you. Y'all stick around after the outro music for a little bonus clip between Adam and me. Let's make this candid. We don't need to. So we're excited. being fucking candid. We're I getting know. ready for Lep Mash. And I'm doing like we're watching a Sasha Velour makeup tutorial to get ready for Lep Mash because like I have I realized I have an egghead like hers and I shaved completely bald this morning and I'm like wearing the Sasha red dress from the finale of season nine. So we have the highlighter yeah. by Glossier. I'm gonna put that on your face oh to God. try to. I love how you're, why are you naming the brands? Like, this is not RuPaul's Drag Race. No one's paying no, us. No one's paying you to why. do this. I don't know why. And then I have bronzer that I'm going to use to contour your face. My nose? Face what about my nose? Because I, I think I want to stash nose. Okay. Well, okay. I need to see what that entails. Exactly. Um, okay, let me show you. So this here, is Sasha Here, play some of the of video. Let's play actually some? look at Sasha in drag. Just so you know. Let me give you. Oh, let me yeah, actually. Let I need me show visual. you the like music video that changed my life. That is awesome. I don't like, want to be too late to the actual. I know. Event. Oh, so context. Not She's supposed to be going to Nadia's rehearsal to see her because she's missing the actual show a couple of days from now. But like, I'm having her do my makeup and I'm being a bad friend because so, now she has to spend time doing my makeup. No, but, I mean, at, I'll leave on time. I'll leave in like. This, 20, is, 20 this is the dress that inspired me. Okay. And so look at her, how similar her lipstick is to the lipstick that you're going to put on me. Oh, that's perfect. And it's like, she has my arms. Like, we have the same arms. So it's going to be. You two are really. I know, we are very similar, similar. except he's like, he's like 20 years older than me. Yeah, it helps the makeup last longer. Let's do it. Come on, let's do it. Okay. My skin a little bit, but the reality is I am in bag first. So yeah, he's contouring his nose, which I think is like his nose is like part of the signature. So like. Oh, but I don't have like. Alright, cool. A little brush like. This that. is gonna be the next fifteen okay. minutes yeah. where I just where I just show <laughs> Halia different parts of the and video, and she's like, I don't have like, that. I don't have that. I can't do that. <laughs> this is why you should not let queer women do your makeup. <laughs> I know. I'm fucking a lesbian. Okay, do we want to hide my brows? I have really thick brows. Can I don't want to hide them. I, I feel like we should. Do you want me to make them look thinner? I don't want to completely hide them. Why? That looks not... Alienish. I don't want the... I don't know if I have the tools for that okay, either. Okay, That's cool. <laughs> okay. Moving on on the I don't have the tools chronicle. <laughs> That's so pretty much it. Pretty intense natural. Okay, so that's right what I can here. do oh, okay. with this. So let's start with the bronzer. Mood. Okay, bronzer. Okay. So don't take my glasses the, off. Yeah, keep your glasses off for this whole Oh, I wish I had contacts. The glasses will look smart and hot. Yeah, because Sasha's like part of her brand is like academia. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Glasses are the only way she to be about, academic. She so talked about perfect. Judith Butler in every fucking episode of season nine. It was like, we get oh, it. Wow. You have a Fulbright scholarship. She actually does. Do you know that she was a Fulbright really? scholar before going to Drag Race? I did not. Ugh, iconic. I did not. She's know. the queen that I most like identify with. Because I feel like... Yeah. Yeah, she's just... You're in academia, so it makes I know, sense. but like, I don't love academia. But that's a story for another day. Because um, I'm, I'm not. I'm just not sure if your facial hair will get in the way. You know what? Fuck my facial hair. Should I go? No, go? don't shave. Don't shave. You're fine. Do you want me to like get in specific shape formation so that you can? No, me? you're in a good shape formation. The way you're sitting. <laughs> what? Are... No, I meant like with my face. Do you want me to do a specific? Oh, I thought you meant like shape your body right now. I mean, now yeah, so that you're I could do that as well. 
It's okay. Oh, you already look good. Okay. <gasps> oh, I'm oh, okay. Of... I now it. Cool. <laughs> no, I'm saying. You're like, oh, you already no, look you good. Find you took so little to fix your face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm Finally, joking. you look decent. <laughs> Finally, Just you don't look like an egg. This, like, under eye stuff. Oh, let's see if some. Oh, I didn't sleep well last night, so maybe I have Full disclosure, I don't. Just. Start tapping and so I'm gonna try my best. You know what? Do your best. If I'm a hot mess, I'm a hot mess. So now I'm gonna go in and do my highlight, and I start okay. my highlight with. I have not been sleeping like for the past highlight. week. Oh, I've been sleeping really well, except for last so night. I get it. Oh, except for last night. You basically like you paint the light onto yourself, so you paint the shadows in first, and then you paint where you want to be. You're gonna be out tonight too. Oh yeah. Highlight all the way out to the end of my nose. Delightful. I'm a little bit proud of myself right now. I love that for me. For you and me. I love that for both of us. Just this feeling of being like a little bit proud of yourself. Egotistical, to be honest. Oh, egotistic. Like egotisticism. Egotism. Egotisticism. That sounds like the word testicle. Egotisticism. It's when you have an ego because you're, I don't know, misogynist. Perfect. Powder! Oh, the next step is powder. powder to set my face. I'm putting on some. That I do is just use this blush, um, this cream blush from Glossier as well. That I've had for way too long. It's not expired, I promise. I don't care. I don't know what expiration Fuck my face up, it can't get any worse, can it? Okay, so are we doing powder? Is that a thing that's I don't have powder. Alright. Of course I don't, right? Can we just have a teaser in this episode be like, I don't have this? I don't have any makeup. I don't have that. I don't have that. And then it ends with. Hey, Okay, now we're gonna do Sasha Balloon. Hey, bitch, I could totally do your makeup, but I don't have any. I need eyeliner, which I do like to use. Can we do like Adam Lambert's eyeliner? Like, can we go crazy with the eyeliner? Yeah. Oh, 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 look what she's doing. Oh, shit. I don't know that. Can you paint birds into my arm? Oh, my God. That is some advanced varsity. That's like varsity level. No, I mean, Sasha, even among drag queens, she's like, she's not like Trixie Mattel. She's serious. Yeah, there's no way I can. She doesn't fuck around. I can do that. Okay. Oh my God. But let's just okay. So close should your eyes. Should we do a makeup tutorial with Sasha one time? Yeah, we should. Okay, close your eyes. Okay. Do you have to correct it? I would like it to be a little symmetrical with your other eye. So can we hide my eyes? I don't have anything to hide them. Like, like honestly, I don't think you need to. It's they're just so thick. It's okay. Thick is thick. What if I go shave in completely? No. No, no, no. Please don't. I don't want you to shave your brows. I'm telling you what to do with your body. That's fine. Men have been doing it to women for centuries. I'll let you do it for one night. Okay, blush. This bitch is getting on blush. Sasha's getting on blush. Okay. Do you want some silver sparkles on your Give me everything. Okay. Okay. Should I drink water before we do lipstick? Because I want to be really hydrated because I know I'm going to get hungover. Should we go higher on the eyeliner? I'll try. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like all in you. Okay, that sounded wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, not a lot of people have only these sex toys in here, but that's <laughs>